Hey there, I'm Brian. And I'm David. And we are the Cloud Whisperers. It's going to be back again. We have a, another new setup, and I love it. But what have you been up to the last uh, couple of weeks? Man, just busy with customers. It's, it's amazing swimming in this world of threats that we live in now, you know. And f- mm-hmm. funny enough, that's kind of the topic that we are going to talk about today. So well, That's cool. I've, I've been doing a lot of fun things. I've uh, been Good. doing some Nintex work, which is always fun. But what I've been really spending a lot of my thought energy on has been around this concept of the modern digital workplace and working with organizations to kind of come up with ways that we're going to use technologies to really revolutionize their workplaces. And as I learn more about this, we'll be sharing it through the podcast as well because the cloud is gonna be a big enabler of that entire process. Yeah, the SharePoint Online and the Microsoft Flow stuff that I was doing before, we talked about in the Mm -hmm. first episode. That automation side of it, that's really where you start to see that power of Office 365 and what you can do with it. Well, and and what I would say as well is, and, and you and I have talked in the past about Teams, right? Correct. And Microsoft's desktop client for Teams And it's my personal opinion that Microsoft is envisioning Teams to become the new go-to application for IW workers going forward. Oh, absolutely. You're going to spend your whole day in Teams. That's where you communicate. That's where you collaborate. It's where you have your meetings. It's where you get to all your files with bots and and add-ins and tabs, it's where you're also getting to your line of business applications. Yeah, it's so the way that I like to explain this is the interface for Office 365, and, and really you think about the, the, the SharePoint of the past, it's an internet page, you're going to a web page. Mm-hmm. The interface for us is now changing. It is. We've got now Teams as an interface, uh, as a team collaboration, a group chat type mm-hmm. of room. Uh, you've And you have the Office 365 group when you go into Outlook web app and Outlook too. You're starting to see the interfaces change for us now. Because of the way they're changing, it's going to enable us to take these same services and embed them into other types of applications. So that when you're sitting in CRM as an example, I can go and consume information and services Absolutely, yeah. From, yeah. from SharePoint and from Teams and from uh, email. And the same thing is true whether it's CRM or whether it's a custom developed application and whether it's running on the web or on the desktop or on a mobile device, that ability to consume all of this as a service and then design your own front end for it, I think it's going to be the, the wave of the future. Yeah, I, I love the Teams client on my phone. I, I can't, oh, I the, the Skype client just... It, it crashes on me all the time. I just run the Teams client, and I just use that for chatting. I, 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 you and I chat I'm, via that all the time. Exactly. <laughs> and what I'm doing nowadays is when people are, like, sending me meeting invites, I, I'm almost to the point of declining them if they're in Skype and yeah. telling them to send it to me in Teams instead. Yeah. And this week, Microsoft has fully enabled, finally, the external guest access into your Teams. I saw that. Yes, I did that, see that. that. That came out this week, and so that's awesome. And we've actually we actually used that with a we had a a product demo going on uh, for um, I forget who it was. Uh, it was uh, Sharegate. Okay. And I just I sent the guy an email because we were trying to we were trying to get him logged in, and he just clicked on the link and joined. I invited him to the meeting from the meeting space. Typed his email address. And the next thing you know, bam, he's in the meeting with us. Yeah. And he's using Teams just like everybody else. That is so cool. It is really, Yeah, really I'm awesome. excited that they're actually... 
going down that path with the external sharing and everything with teams. Excellent. So you mentioned to me though that we that you actually our topic for today is right. uh, really a a a real life scenario around security that you've actually run into in the wild. In the wild. So so why don't you tell us what it is that you ran into in the wild that we need to be thinking about? Yeah, so it's it's basically it's just it's an exchange online mailbox forwarding rule attack. So an email phishing type of campaign, something like that where where the attacker is stealing someone's credentials. They steal somebody's credentials okay. and then they have the credentials at that point. They log in via PowerShell mm -hmm. to create a mailbox forwarding rule and they can have all of the email that has a certain subject, like invoice or something like that, go to or all of the email. All, really all the email, to. yeah. If they really wanted to look for everything, just they to see what. They want my spam. <laughs> they want the spam. <laughs> we'll send it to them. And it sends it to an external address, and then they sit there and they watch over time the habits and everything of these people and when these things are happening and they're able to intercept that email communication and send something back through um, to like say an accounts payable clerk, they can mm -hmm. intercept that traffic and actually send an email to the payer by changing the bank and change the bank routing number on the invoice. Oh wow! Yeah. So this is actually a very targeted attack that we're talking about. This is not a generic attack people are going to look at. Yeah, it's what we call spear phishing. That's spear right. Spear phishing. That's right. Okay. And so. Um, and that kind of and so you said you've actually seen this. And, I, yeah, I've actually heard of an example of this, a okay. real life example of this happening in the last couple of weeks. And it had to do with somebody basically looking for invoices and then changing routing. Numbers. Yeah, so the, it, it came in. It came in. The initial breach came in as a. It was basically an email phishing type of attack. So they knew exactly who they were going after. They knew this person had some sort of status within that corporation. They, they bit on the phishing attack, they typed in their credentials, and the attacker ended up with their credentials, basically created the mailbox forwarding rule uh, with PowerShell, and it's really easy. You just download that tool set off the internet and run the PowerShell. It creates the uh, rule however you want it, and then intercepted the transmission of a, you know basically an invoice, PO or something. Uh, the bank ended up catching it. They ended oh, wow. up catching it, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. It happened here in this area where we live. So wow. it's just that is, That's scary. It's scary. It really um, is scary. So it, it underscores the fact that we really have to protect our users against these phishing attacks. Right. So, so first question I have for you then is how did they, in this case you said the bank caught it, but how can we as O365 administrators, right, um, who are running an exchange online or, or even as you mentioned exchange on premise uh, earlier, um, how can we find that this is actually going on inside of our organization? Well, to find that it's going on inside your organization uh, would be basically to you have to you have to monitor somehow or another that activity is going on. Okay. So there are third parties you can use out there, like Fish Hunter is an example of that. Okay. As far as the initial breach is concerned, uh, identifying that. There's also things you can do if you don't want to go with a third party. And sure. You can actually do like a transport rule, something internally to send something somewhere, and that will let you know that hey, this is happening. So from a monitoring perspective, that's really what we can do on the initial breach side of things. Uh, when we get down to what we call entrenchment, that's really what this is now, right? The initial breach, and now we're going to entrenchment, where we have a forwarding rule that's sending information to this person outside. We want to run a script or something against Exchange to find out if there's any of these forwarding rules set up, these mail forwarding rules. We want to look for that activity. And we can also use you know, technologies like cloud app security. 
uh, to, to monitor that type of activity, you know. We can actually find out if somebody's trying to impersonate, you know, someone else. So maybe they attacked and got admin credentials or something like that, and they're trying to impersonate a user. So Now, uh, is there a setting, I seem to remember one time when I was poking around in Office 365, I ran across a setting that prevented emails from being forwarded to non-corporate email addresses. So for example, I could set up my tenant to say, I'm not going to let you create an email rule that lets you forward to say Gmail or Yahoo. That's right. And actually, a very good place for you to go to it explains all of this very well mm -hmm. and how to protect against these things is Secure Score. Secure Score. Yeah, securescore.microsoft.com and go into Secure Score and it can tell you, hey, these are the different areas that you could be attacked. This is the risk you're mitigating. And it's a button click. Usually it's just a button click to, to run, run that on. command. Yeah, you don't have nice. to run the PowerShell yourself. So okay. and then Secure Score is like I think you the way you explained it to me was like a gauge. I like to refer to it as a credit score, right? It's a credit score yeah. of what your security is in Office 365. So that's a good starting point just to secure, you know, your Office 365 tenant. Okay. All right. So we know what the exploit is. Yes. We've talked a little bit about how to identify it if it's already happened. How do we stop it from happening going forward? So first we have to think about the two things that are happening here. Right? There's the initial breach and there's entrenchment. entrenchment. Okay. So the initial breach, in my opinion, we almost have to play offense a little bit, right? We need okay. to download these tools. We need to use them against our own tenant. We okay. need to see, we, we need to run these different things. Microsoft just released Attack Simulator. So mm -hmm. you can actually simulate an email phishing type of attack. You can do brute force a password, you can do password spraying, some of these things these attackers are using out there. But there's also free things that you can download off the internet. That's what's scary about this stuff is it's all all stuff you can download off the internet. Okay. But download these PowerShell libraries that can do all of this malicious stuff. So I think from the email phishing perspective, we really have the technologies that are built to you know prevent those type of things. So we okay. have SPF, which was Cinder Policy Framework, so that protects you against the initial from field at the top. So whoever's coming from the domain actually goes out and says, hey, from these IP addresses, I can send as this domain. So gotcha. within that domain, like catapultsystems.com, there's it's validating that it's actually guaranteeing there's from an MX record that's right. or from that's those right. domains that are owned by Catapult. Absolutely. Yep. And not, because you can put anything you want to on the envelope, yep. right? Yep. Okay. And SPF has been around for a long time. Okay. And then you have DKIM. Okay. DKIM is a technology where basically you are putting a signature within the outbound message. Okay. It's another way of, of, of ensuring that it's coming from who it's supposed to come now, from. SPF is built into Exchange. DKIM is also built into Exchange, and you can just those are just turned on automatically if you have Exchange online. Is that correct? So SPF is actually an external technology. It's oh, really? A, yeah, okay. it's, a, it's actually part of uh, the SMTP protocol. It's actually Center okay. Policy Framework was built on top of that. Uh, DKIM is actually a technology that is is enabled within Office 365. Okay. And you actually configure it there. Okay. Makes and sense. And then the the third one that really kind of sits on top of those two technologies is DMARC. Um, and what DMARC does is it actually goes down into the envelope and it looks at the display name and the email address in that envelope. Okay. So whenever you're looking at an email and it says from someone within Outlook, that's mm -hmm. what we're talking about. It's that envelope, right? The it's one not, that the end user sees. Right. It's not the address, like how to get there, right? It's the envelope. It's like gotcha. it's like an envelope that you have, you know, when you open it up at the house. You gotcha. know, the envelope, the outside is who it's addressed to. On the inside, you've got other things that are happening right. inside of it. Um, so DMARC's another way that we can do that. And then beyond DMARC, 
because DMARC doesn't protect you against slight variations in the domain name. So if I have a catapultsystems.com and there's an at symbol for one of the A's, mm. DMARC doesn't protect you against that. Okay. So what you do... Or I've seen Microsoft, but with a zero for the O. Exactly. Exactly, and that's like the first uh, the the first episode that we had. We talked yeah. about that and how yeah. it, it looks legitimate. Mm -hmm. uh, so the next thing that we can do is something that was just recently released. It's called Advanced Threat Protection, Advanced Email Phishing. It's a policy that you can actually create now, and it's much similar to the way that we have protected against this in the past with an exchange transport rule. It's okay. just got a much more sophisticated engine behind it. So it protects you on top of DMARC. So we're really kind of stacking these technologies okay. to make sure that we're protected to where that email, that, that phishing email, that person that's trying to spear fish cannot get all the way into that user's so, mailbox. So we've said that SPF is external. It's part of the SMTP. We've said that the DKIM is built into Exchange Online. Is DMARC built into Exchange Online, or is that part of EMS or, or O3C2? No, DMARC is actually just like SPF. It's a, it's a technology. Oh, it's external. Okay. It's, external. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a record that gets but created you in your DNS. you this anti-phishing. That is part of Office 365, yes, it is. but that is O365E5. That's right. So right. any anything that has advanced threat protection, anything that yep. uses the word advanced, that's typically what I tell customers, or mm -hmm. automatic we're in an E5 type of license. Gotcha. You can get that as an add-on to EOP. But if you went ahead and bought the O365 E5 license, you would have it. And you should, right? right. You then have. you would already have this additional level of protection to prevent against this kind of spear fiction yep. attack. Well, that that's fascinating. That's some, that's some great stuff. And, and I want to thank you, Brian, for kind of explaining all of that to us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and that, I have to admit, that's a frightening yeah. concept that somebody Hundreds of thousands. And they could do a lot more One than that. They could do a lot more than that. Just just be sitting yeah. here watching your email going back and forth and learning where your executives are going and who they're talking to and who your competitors are. There's lots of ways that people could could use that against you. So sure. I don't like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And the other, the only other thing too that I wanted to mention is there are third-party phishing protection available. Okay. Fish Hunter is an example of one that we've we've kind of been working with here recently. They've partnered with Microsoft, and they will actively monitor those inbound email uh, transactions. Um, and they use known attack vectors. So gotcha. they're using known attack vectors, and then they have an intelligence engine behind it. And they automatically will remediate that situation. So when they see that coming through, they'll stop it. Mm. They basically just stop it, and you can have it alert and do all sorts of other things too. So it's a much more sophisticated engine, but you're paying extra for it too. And, that, and that's just something that sits in your mail route, right? Yeah, you're exactly. Gonna, you're going to route inbound and outbound. Email yeah, it, it basically somehow, somehow or another, you have to route that. Either gotcha. go into Exchange Online protection first, then yeah. route through Fish Hunter, or vice versa. I've, I've seen similar things with uh, email signatures actually, yep. where you send it to a to a company in the cloud, and they actually will dynamically add signatures to the mail. That's right, which is pretty yeah. cool. There's some cool things about yeah, that. The, the mail writing gets pretty tricky when you're in there. It does get a little <laughs> tricky. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. So. Thank you once again. I appreciate yeah, that. No but, but let's let, let's get to the fun part now. So this is Oscars weekend. We're recording this on Friday, the Friday before the Oscars come out. And I, you may not have known this about me, David. I am a huge Oscars fan. I, we watch it every year. My wife and I try to see every single nominated yeah. movie. Uh, we've actually seen all of the Best Picture nominees this year. We're going out and seeing. Uh, we're going to go out and catch uh, Florida Project streaming this weekend, and we're going to watch Greatest Showman. Uh, to catch the the song, oh yeah, and we're going to try to watch Mudbound as well. So we're trying to try to catch three movies before Sunday. So Greatest Showman was amazing. Possible. Greatest Showman was. My my daughter loved it. 
um, and I've known some people who've gone and seen it multiple times. It's just, it's been, you know, we had to go see Phantom Thread, and we had to go see, uh, 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 Call Me By Your Name, and we had to see, you know, all, uh, Dunkirk and all yeah. the movies. So there were just a lot of movies. Yeah, a lot of movies. Uh, That's a lot of work, man. I, I thought uh, it's so much fun. As soon yeah. as the announcements come out, we actually we started watching them as soon as the Golden Globes came out. So we went and saw Lady Bird and, and, oh, and yeah. things like and, and I Tanya, which should have gotten nominated. Uh, crazy, but so I thought to kind of tie this in with the Cloud Whispers, right? Sure. We would talk about um, this concept of the best and worst tech movies that we've ever seen. Okay. Now to to kind of level set this. To be a good movie or a bad movie, it has to be plausible, right? It has to be something that we can suspend our disbelief or we can believe is actually going on in the world. Sure. Right? Sure. It needs to be realistic, right? So it needs to be, even if it's science fiction-y, because a couple of our examples we have are science fiction-y, right? But it, it's okay to be science fiction-y if it's still realistic and consistent inside what we assume the universe is working. And then lastly, in my opinion, it has to be accurate. It has to be something that that is 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 you know not just plausible and realistic, but is actually possible to happen or has already happened. It's not some made-up command that they're typing. It, it, exactly. And so one of the one of the reasons I thought about this is a, a while back I was out at a client and they recommended that I watch Mr. Robot. Uh, which is, um, I forget if it's on Hulu or, or Netflix. It's one of those streaming yeah. services, right? I haven't and had a chance to watch it yet, but I, I heard good things. I've, I've watched two or three episodes of it, and from a, a, a show standpoint, I, I can't stand it because I hate every character in it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like any of the characters, but from a technical standpoint, it's really cool because near as I can tell, and I'm not a I'm not a router expert per se, right? <laughs> but it looks like the stuff they're typing on the screen yeah. is actually valid commands. Number one, and number two, you don't see his fingers just kind of going blah 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 on the yeah. keyboard and just scroll and scroll of code that he's just magically writing faster than anybody could ever do on the screen. You see him typing, and yeah. characters are appearing one by one on the screen. So that and he has things already pre predefined and pre run, which makes sense. Uh, but Mr. Robot doesn't count because Mr. Robot is not a movie. Okay. So we're going to start with the worst movies, okay? Okay. And I'm going to tell you my nomination for worst tech movie I've ever seen is The Net with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> now, I love Sandra Bullock. And this was you know back when she was really just taken off as a star and stuff yeah. like that. But, she had some good movies. Oh my goodness, was this movie from a technical standpoint terrible? It was bad. It was bad. The the one that got me was you know she's a she's a web designer and 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 writes code and stuff like that. And she calls this guy on the phone because she orders all her pizza online. And there's a lot of really prescient cool stuff about it. But the one that really got me was his guy calls her and says, "Hey, go to this website for this power company. Do you see the little pie down pie symbol down in the lower left hand corner? Now I want you to." Right mouse, uh, control, alt, click while standing on your left foot and scratching your, your right earlobe. <laughs> and, and when you do that, oh, suddenly you have control of the entire power grid. Right. And you're like, what? Complete, total bollocks. It's terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it just, you know, that right there was so implausible and so unrealistic yeah, and sure. so sure. inaccurate that that's my nomination for worst of all time. 
So, Brian, what about you? What's your nomination for worst? I'm still torn between the hackers and, and swordfish. And, and, and I like swordfish for other reasons, not the reason everybody's probably thinking that I like it, but I like swordfish just because of the action behind it. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a it great, great stuff. movie. Uh, but the few scenes that I remember um, uh, where he's just typing away and he's trying to hack into something, he's typing real fast and the screen's moving and all that mm -hmm. sort of thing, you kind of see just glimpses of the code that he's writing and everything. It's just so unrealistic. I mean, it. Yeah, and, and I then, can't really then, consider it a tech movie, but at the same time, you know, that's the one that comes to top of my mind. Uh, and then Hackers, of course, yeah. is, yeah, you know, you want that to be good, but right. just just because just I that, paint the a, title just because alone. I paint yeah. a, uh, you know a camo pattern on my laptop right. is not going to make it a better hacking thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Even if it did have Angelina Jolie and, of course, you know, John Lee Miller, who's now Sherlock Holmes on Elementary. Oh yeah, yeah, which yeah. I love. I love that show. Yeah. All right, so. What about your nomination for best tech movie I, you ever seen? I absolutely love the Terminator series. I love, yeah, I, I actually loved the series that came out too. I know that's not a movie, but it's the whole Term Terminator story the I Sarah like. The Connor Chronicles. Yes, very that was a very good show. Yes. Uh, and Summer I also Brown, like Matrix. Lena Hard to argue with Summer Glau and Lena Headey. Oh, yeah, no. It, it was, great, they, great actors. And then the storylines that they come up with, they're just so, it's amazing. They just mm -hmm. keep... They keep fueling that same storyline, and it's just amazing how they've kept it going. Uh, mm -hmm. And and I can't really say there's a few of them. It's like okay, well, you know, this is kind of the same thing that it was before. All right. So so let me go back to my, my my thing. So you believe that the Terminator is plausible? Yes. That the evil overlords of Skynet will take over the Earth and destroy it's us all. It's completely possible. Okay. Do you think it's realistic that we can make Terminators out of liquid metal, or are you just going with the the T eight hundred series? Like I say the T eight hundred. Yeah. I mean, liquid metal might be a little <laughs> a little far fetched. And I'm not even sure how we would do an accuracy on the Terminator movies. I mean, uh, right. he misses a lot. I mean, you think that he wouldn't, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So let me tell you mine. Okay. All right. So mine is actually a real oldie. It's a classic. It's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. And when I was, I was thinking about this, I was trying to think of a movie that I thought was plausible. Sure. And to me, when I think of the tech aspect, and I'm not talking about the space travel side of it, which I thought was also pretty well done. But when I think about the, the tech aspect, I'm really thinking about the HAL 9000. Okay. Okay. And so, is it plausible that we are going to create AIs that we are then going to put in control of very complex systems and run our lives? And all I could think of is my good friend Andrew Cannell, who drives a Tesla. Yeah. And one of the reasons he loves that thing is because it drives itself. It now, does. He, of course, pays close attention to the road <laughs> and keeps a hand on the steering wheel yeah. at all times. But there, have been, there is at least one case of a fellow who was watching a movie in the Tesla and the Tesla didn't realize there was an 18 wheeler in front of him and he got he was killed. Oh my gosh. Uh, which is why they, they, they have a thing on there now that Andrew was telling me that you have to, every small period of time, it jiggles the steering wheel. And if you don't correct the jiggle, yeah. uh, after a couple of times, the Tesla will pull over the side of the road and stop and you're no longer allowed to do automated drive for the rest of that trip. Wow. So, so they're, they're, they're putting things inside of that. But I'll go back and point out, hey, here's an AI controlling our lives and increasingly more complex systems. So to me, it's very plausible. It's also very realistic because if we're going to send a mission to Jupiter, it's probably going to have a series of computers that are going to be main, you know, maintaining it. Um, sure. And then, you know, from an accuracy standpoint, I thought it was pretty darn accurate uh, when, we, when we think about what is an AI going to actually look like. Eventually, and we have a lot of cognitive services now that are doing almost AI kind of things. 
but they're still very limited in what they're doing. But eventually, what's going to have to happen? I think we're kind is, of scared of it almost. You know, it seems, well, seems like and, we're and, and we should be to a certain extent. Yeah, because we have seen the Terminator, yeah. <laughs> and we have seen two thousand one, yeah. and we wonder what will happen when these these um, when, when an artificial intelligence that has the ability to turn off the lights and power on us. Right. What if it decides that we are a threat to it? What if it it has self preservation yeah. circuitry and stuff like that? But Anyway, so that's my nomination. It's moving very fast. 2001: A Space Odyssey. I love, I love that movie. I've always. I'm putting that on my list. I got to go. I I will warn you now. If you go watch it, if you're used to modern movies that are bang, 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 2001 is a very slow, deliberate, plodding movie that is going to take a long time to get through. And there's lots of things of just silence. Yeah. And and people looking at each other, it, it's it's cool because it's much more powerful. Mm-hmm. But it's a totally different type of movie than we see today. Oh, interesting! Very yeah. interesting. That's a whole other issue. So I'm looking forward to the Oscars this weekend. I'm thinking that it's going to be. I would like to see three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri win, but I'm thinking it's going to be Shape of Water. Shape that's of my, Water. That's my guess, yeah. right there. Oh, all I really care about is Gary Oldman will win the Oscar for Best Actor. If you haven't seen Darkest Hour, he so exemplifies Churchill. It's absolutely amazing. And I will tell you one quick story yeah. um, about, about Gary Oldman and Darkest Hour. Um, he went and was talking at um, Hillsdale College about his experience, because Hillsdale is a huge Churchill library and they study Churchill up there. Uh, and he was talking about how he would get dressed up as Churchill. It was like three hours of makeup every day. And um, he would come out, and he would go out into the to the uh, you know into the the war room they were in, mm-hmm. and all of the crew were dressed up as extras. So the women were dressed up as the females, and the men were all in uniform. And he comes out of his out of his dressing room, and he starts walking down down the, the corridor, and all the people are are lined up in the corridor just waiting, right? Yeah. And as he's walking by as Churchill, and he has all of the mannerisms and the actions. All of the women stood up straight, and all the men came to attention as he walked by. <laughs> and he suddenly realizes that you know he was he was Churchill, yeah. and they were just naturally coming to attention sure. and honoring him as he passed by because he was Churchill. And I was like, "What an amazingly cool thing!" Yeah. So, all right. Well, predictions, predictions, right, predictions for the we'll, Oscars. We'll see. Mr. By the Bichari. time by the time you listen to this, uh, you'll probably already found that that was wrong. <laughs> Except <laughs> about Gary Oldman, I'm not wrong about Gary Oldman. All right, fair enough. All right, so we'll see you guys again next time. If you if you haven't already, follow us on SoundCloud. Yep. Um, you know, send us feedback. If you actually, if you have an idea of a best or worst tech movie, then you know, send it to us on Twitter at Cloud Whispers, Whispers. right? Go out and do that and, and communicate with us. We'd love to hear your feedback. And once again, if you've got comments on this, send it to us. Yep. Right. Any ideas? Any ideas uh, any, or anything? Any ideas for new topics? Yep. Otherwise, we're going to keep talking about what we want to talk about, which hopefully you're interested in as well. All right. Thank, until next time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, David. Thank you.